Good morning. What a joy to be with you. Thank you for choosing to worship our Lord, our God, our King. There's nothing more valuable we could do together than sing those songs from our hearts this morning. I hope you do talk to Kari this morning. Uh, Jesus in the Bible made clear that love, and it's not just uh, in words, but in action. Uh, biblical love is always in action. It's always tangible. God didn't just say, I love you, world. He gave his one and only son. He laid down his life. So love is always in action. It's always tangible. It's always practical. And so uh, love in action isn't meant to replace what happens in, in small communities. All, I know so many of you are deeply engaged in loving others in this body and loving others in the community. But, but love in action is really a safety net for those who don't have those communities or don't have those connections so we as a body can really fulfill God's call. It's more important than even preaching or singing. Jesus said that that's, what, that's partly what he's going to most examine is how do we love each other? How do we serve each other? That, that's God's heart. That's, that's the most important thing we can do together. So this Wednesday, uh, Betty Barkley is uh, uh, having a, we're going to have a reception for Betty. Is Betty here? I see her. Okay, Betty, can you just stand up for a second? <laughs> Let's just thank Betty. Um, some of you don't even know why you're clapping, but, but a lot of you do, because Betty's been our financial bookkeeper. She's behind the scenes, and, and that's the kind of stuff we don't even think about, but it's so important for us to be healthy as a body, as a family of people, and Betty has served with joy, and she's a, been a delight, and so we're going to—she's going to be retiring so she can spend more time with Bob and do some other things, but, but she has been a joy, and so Wednesday, uh, about 1130 to 2, we're going to have a reception here, and so if you have a lunch break, if you have a few minutes, we're going to have food, just stop by and say, say thank you to Betty. And if you see her this morning, you can thank her as well. So I'm so excited. Uh, we're going to begin a new sermon series this morning. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say if there's a, a favorite part of the Bible because there, there, as we have just finished a series, this, this is one story and it's pointing to God and it's all interconnected. But there's parts of the Bible that minister to us in different ways. And the Psalms is, is very, very close to my heart, and I know for many of you it is so close to your hearts. Because uh, so the Psalms addresses the, the real aspect of who we are as human beings, not just in our knowledge about God or, or thinking about God, but in every aspect of our emotion, our inner workings of who we are as human beings. So if you go through the Psalms, you will find joy and sorrow and grief and lament and anger and you'll find disappointment and anxiety and all the things that we face, that we wrestle with, the, the struggles and the questions that we have as human beings. The Psalms explores. <laughs> the Psalm opens up and we begin to see God's heart and his design to not only make us as people physically, but emotionally, spiritually, in our souls, in our very inner being, God is remaking us. Now, I, I think physical exercise is really important. I, I love physical activity, and many of you do, and I want to encourage that. It's important. But it is so important that we um, do spiritual exercise, that God has designed us to be physical beings and spiritual beings, and that's deeply intertwined and deeply connected, and people have tried to figure it out, and I, I don't know if we can fully figure it out, but there's something about us 
The way we were designed by God, there's a spirit inside us that needs to be formed and shaped and made. And I believe that that part of us will live for all of eternity. These bodies, they're going to wear out. They're going to die someday. But who you are inside is going to live for all of eternity. So this matters. So just as it's important to go out in physical exercise, so is our spiritual exercise. And the Psalms are given to us to work out those spiritual muscles in our lives and our hearts. In fact, Jesus quoted the Old Testament all the time, but I think he loved the Psalms. <laughs> the Psalms were dear to Jesus. In fact, his final words on the cross were quoting a Psalm. It's important. And so we're going to be walking through different Psalms. I, I, I love uh, here at Rimrock how we have committed to a preaching team. I think it's so healthy, so valuable for us as a church, as a people. And one of the things I, I, I respect uh, Bill and Nick so much, and one of the things I, I love about Bill is uh, his, his experience in walking with the Lord. And, and when we were first talking about this idea of going through the Psalms in the summer, and, and we're not going to go straight through. We're going to look at different Psalms. And I asked each preacher to kind of choose those Psalms that have been meaningful to them. And, and so Bill got really excited, and he started text, writing on his phone right there. And right there in front of me, he sent me a list of like 20 Psalms. <laughs> I was like, whoa. He's like, these are the most important, significant things that have shaped my life. And then last uh, time we met, he said, you know, for 25 years, every day, I've read and meditated on a psalm. And I thought, wow, that shapes a person. And, and God is wanting to shape our hearts and our spiritual life and our understanding of what a relationship with him means and what it really looks like. And it's real. It's honest. We're going to be in uh, Psalm chapter or 1 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up there. And uh, we haven't done this in a long time, but we're going to actually read it together. But we're going to do some congregational reading, so um, it's going to be on the screen. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And this is out the New American Standard Version. Uh, I know many times I preach out of the NIV, but I like, I believe some of the words are better translated in the New American Standard Version for Psalm 1. So I believe we're going to have uh, some of those orange parts. We're going to read all that together. So we're going to read it together as a congregation, and then there's going to be some other parts where I will just read. So if it's orange, we're going to read all together. All right, should we do it? Do it? Let's do it. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked, they are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Let's read all together. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Keep standing. I have a, a written prayer here, I believe, I'll do this part, and there will be some parts for you to pray. Oh, Lord, grant us a renewed hunger and a delight in your word. God, so move in our hearts that we would delight to do what you command. Lord, free us from trying to find our happiness and our well-being and, and created things so that we might find that you, our creator, you are our greatest treasure. 
Oh Lord, you are in the business of transforming hearts so that we can think, behave, and belong in such a way that honors you and it brings us and others good. Let's say all together, we praise you, Jesus. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to give us your wisdom and to give us your word. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, God, for your grace and your transforming the desires of our hearts so that we might find that you are our greatest delight. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Do you know that God has a, a purpose? And that purpose is to bless. <laughs> Don't you love how Psalm 1 starts with the word blessed? And if you look at that word in the Hebrew, it's blessedness. It's blessing upon blessing upon blessing. If there is one thing that the Bible communicates to us over and over, it's that God's purpose, his desire is to bless. <laughs> and he desires to bless his greatest creation, which is you. Men and women created in the image of God. You are his greatest um, desire to bring blessing into your life. In fact, when Jesus began to preach, and we have gone through this over and over as a, as a church, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I think Jesus was keeping in line with this desire and this purpose that God had revealed from the very beginning when he began the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he began, blessed, blessed, blessed are and so God's desire, his consistent revelation, is to bring blessing. Now, I think it's kind of cool that God's purpose and his greatest desire is also our greatest desire. I, I've talked to people all over the world. I've talked to many of you. I've talked to many people in our community. And I can, I've learned and I can guarantee every person at the deepest place, they want to be blessed. They want to be happy. In fact, this word in Hebrew can have that meaning of happiness. And not just a, a circumstantial happiness, but we have a deep desire for fulfillment and joy and happiness and to be satisfied in this life. And so that's why we do so much of what we do, right? Uh, we want to be happy. We want to be blessed. And that starts from the moment we're born and we take that first breath <laughs> until we take our last breath. We want to be blessed. We want to be happy. We want to be fulfilled. We want to be satisfied. It's one of the deepest human desires. And did you know that's a good desire? That comes from God. God planted that seed in your heart. He put that in me. And so that's not a wrong desire. But the question is, how do we get it? How do we experience it? Right? And that's the great human pursuit. That's why people jump out of airplanes. <laughs> that's why people do all kinds of crazy stuff. It's why we do so much of what we do. is because we want to be blessed. We want to be happy. It's why we work hard in our jobs. It's why we, we do what we do in our families. It's why we play sports. It's why we do so much. If you get to the very crux, at the very heart of it is, we want to be happy. We want to be blessed. And so... Our greatest desire matches with God's greatest desire because we are wanting blessing and God is wanting to give blessing. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> what is in us, God put in there and he is wanting to fulfill that. He's wanting to satisfy that deep desire in our hearts. 
And so Psalm 1 is an introduction. I've been reading, Spurgeon wrote an incredible commentary on the whole of Psalms, and he calls it the treasury of David. I love that, that title because it is a treasure. And he says Psalm 1 and 2 is really the introduction to all the Psalms. And you see the themes in these first two Psalms that really set the table for so many themes interwoven throughout the Psalms. But this idea of blessing is found throughout the Psalms. And you can go over and over throughout the Psalms and see this desire, this hunger for blessing. And that question of where, where does that meet with God and man? In Psalm 2, we see the sovereignty and the lordship of God as king over all, right? And that's a theme found throughout the Psalms as well. Those two fit together. But we're just going to look at Psalm 1 this morning. And so... It's interesting that Psalm 1 begins with this idea of blessed is the one, blessed is the person, and then it begins looking at some warnings, a trap, something that wants to steal our blessing, steal the very thing that God wants to give us. So we have to be careful. There's a warning here. But let's look at verse 2 first. Where does the blessing come from? The one who delights and the law of the Lord. And so it's very clear from the very beginning, the blessing comes from God himself. And so the very thing we long for, the very thing we hunger for, the very thing we're striving to experience, God wants to give, and he says, you can have it. (laughs) It's yours. And it's found in delight in God. Delight in him and his law. That word law is God's instruction, God's way. And so there's a relational aspect of who God is, that we were created to be in union and relationship with him, in relationship with all that he is, but he has a way. And his desire for us is to delight. It's to delight. It doesn't say do this and this and this. It's not a a, a list of rules or a list of, of burdens. It's something that we're to delight in. And so the invitation is to be the kind of people that understand that God is the source of blessing and that that blessing is found in delight. It's found in joy. It's found in happiness in him, in his ways. And who meditates on his law day and night. Have you ever thought about desire? You ever thought about the desires of your heart? You know, those things that you want. Uh, Desire is a big deal. There's a big connection between desire and what we love, right? Desire and love are deeply, deeply connected. It's it's in who we are as human beings. And what we desire is usually what we love. And so desire is so important because God wants to have that part of you (laughs) and me. It says the person who delights in God. But the question or the struggle or the temptation has always been to desire something else. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? And God said, I have this beautiful garden, and you're walking with me, and everything I have is yours. But what does it say? It says, Adam and Eve, they desired that fruit. (laughs) Desire is a powerful thing. And so God wants our desire. The greatest command in the scripture is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. We were created for desire, and there's only one who can fully satisfy that desire, and it's God himself. But the struggle is when we desire other things, when we love other things. The Bible has a word for that. It's called idolatry. 
idolatry, when we love and we desire other things beyond God. Now, that doesn't mean we can't enjoy other things. We can't desire other things. But there is a one desire in God that shapes all others. And so remember, Psalms is about shaping our spiritual being, our souls, who we are on the inside. These are our spiritual muscles that need to be shaped and, and transformed and recreated in God, recreated in Christ. This is why Jesus came. He came to save us, to deliver us, and to make us into new kinds of people. He's creating us into new kinds of beings. And that's what Psalm 1 is all about. So here's the trap. If true love and desire can only be satisfied, can only be found in delighting in God and His law, His instruction, His word, His way, then the trap is found in verse 1, where other desires can begin to take hold of our lives and begin to shape our souls. And the Bible is very clear that the wages of sin is death. And so this is what sin is. And how does it start? It's progressive. Verse 1, who does not walk in the step of the wicked. And I like the NSB better because it says in the counsel of the wicked. So there's three different words, and, and you can line up these words, and you can have a, a, a three columns with each of these words. And so in the first verse, you have first walk, and the counsel, and the wicked. So walking, counsel, wicked. All right? The second, second one is standing, or stand in the way, or the path that sinners take. So standing, path, sinners. And so you can line those up. So walking, standing, counsel, path, wicked sinners, or sit in the company or the seat of the mockers or scoffers. So you have walking, standing, sitting, counsel, path, seat, wicked sinners, scoffers. This is a beautiful, poetic way to understand the pr progressive trap that sin can have to destroy our souls. This is what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to destroy our inner being. He's trying to destroy our spiritual life. Just like cancer tries to destroy our physical bodies, so sin tries to destroy our spiritual souls, what we were created for. And Psalm 1 is saying, watch out. Be careful. This is how it happens. Where does it start? It starts and counsel. What are we listening to? What are we taking in? There's a little song we sing to our kids, right? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. <laughs> right? So what are we listening to? What are we consuming? What are we taking in? What counsel are we listening to? A few weeks ago, someone asked me as a pastor, what uh, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see in the church? And, um, and I thought about that, and I, I think one of the things that, that is agonizing for me and maybe keeps me up uh, at night sometimes is, is, is my passion, because I know that life is found in the Word of God, in the presence of God, in Jesus Christ. But if I think about so much of our lives we are getting bombarded with so much information, so much counsel, so much messages. These things are on 24-7, and they're speaking to us all the time, and we're getting embedded and bombarded with philosophies and ideas and different ideas that are anti-God, that 
fight against God. They're wicked ideas, and they're bombarding us 24-7. And those things, I know when we just read the news, or we just listen to TV, or we just listen to the radio, we think it's no big deal, but that's forming our souls. It's impacting our spirits. That's how it starts. Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked? We have to be careful what we listen to. We have to be careful what we see with our eyes. And we know this as parents. You know, parents, you don't let your kids just listen to anything or watch anything, right? Because you love them and you care for them. You know the things they see, the things they listen to shapes their hearts. It shapes who they are. And so Psalm 1 is an invitation to delight in God, but it's also a warning. Be careful. It starts with listening. It starts with Paying too much attention to other voices, to other things, not listening to God, listening to others. And that begins this trap into destroying our souls. So it starts with listening to that counsel. But second, it's standing in that path. And so it's that next progressive step. So at first it's pretty passive. I'm just kind of absorbing. I'm just kind of listening to what these these other messages are against God. But then pretty soon, I'm taking another step, and I'm actually standing saying, well, that's, I, I kind of agree with that. That's not too bad. There's nothing wrong with that. And pretty soon, you're standing in a way that sinners take. It's a progressive thing. You see, sin, we don't wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to fight against God, and I'm going to hurt other people. We don't think that way, but it's progressive. It creeps into our hearts. It begins to shape our souls. And next thing we know, we're standing with those who are involved in sin. And then thirdly, this is the, the, the place of destruction. We sit in that place. And by sitting, it means you're at the table, you're eating, you're part of that group. You're, you've, you've, you've swallowed the pill, <laughs> and you're all the way in. And what is the, what is the characteristic of that? is you become a mocker. You become a scoffer. And this is particularly against God. This is a mocking and a scoffing God. Remember what they did when Jesus was on the cross? What were people doing? They were mocking. They were scoffing. You see where sin takes you, that, that the very creator of the universe who loved them and was laying down his life for them and said, Father, forgive them for they do not what they know what they do, but that their hearts had been so hardened turned so cruel that they could watch an innocent man be tortured and nailed to a wooden beam, and yet they can make fun of him and mock him and scoff him. How do we get there? It's a progressive path. We're living in a time, and I, I haven't lived that long, but I've never seen so many people mocking God scoffing against God. And there's so many people who, who grew up in the church who were Christians who now are saying, you know what? We don't believe that anymore. We don't believe in Jesus. We don't believe in God. We're going to follow another path. How did that happen? It's all over the place. Jesus said in the last days, many, many will leave. Many, many will forsake the faith. We're living in those days. How does it happen? Psalm 1 tells us it starts with what we listen to, what we think about, what we take in, and then it begins down this path. And so Psalm 1 provides us a warning. But what are we to do? We're to delight in the law of the Lord. We're to be shaped by what God has revealed to us. 
It's the way of life. It's good. And God's plan is to bless us. He doesn't want to take from you. He wants to give to you. <laughs> he's not withholding something from you. He's, he's pouring everything out to bless you, to bless me. And so we have to look at where's our delight? Where's our desire? What do we think about? What do we meditate on? We're here maybe one hour on Sunday mornings. This isn't enough to shape our souls. This is good. This is part of what God wants to do to remind us. But, but this, is, this becomes a daily habit. This becomes a daily practice, a daily exercise where we begin to listen to what God says. We begin to pay attention to what the, what the Holy Spirit has revealed in his word. We begin to be shaped by the things that God wants to shape us into so that we can receive what God has for us. So you may be thinking, okay, this is pretty stark, <laughs> right? There's the way of the wicked and sinners, and then there's this way of righteousness. And let me just be honest with you, like all of us, all of us have tendencies towards this way of the sinners. In fact, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Here's the good news this morning. Psalm 1 is a messianic psalm. It's pointing us to the person of Jesus. Isn't that good news? <laughs> you should be praising God because, because we don't have hope on our own. We're going to fail. There's days where I don't meditate on God's word. There's days where, where I'm letting other things into my mind, into my heart. And so I need a righteousness beyond what I have. And so God has provided in Jesus Christ. So here's the good news. No matter where you are on that, that path away from God, whether you're just letting in some wicked counsel, some w wicked philosophies in your mind, or you're standing, or you're actually a mocker, there's hope for all of us. Jesus came to save the lost. He came to rescue sinners. Praise God. <laughs> he came to deliver us from that path, from that trap. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. He came to give us life, to bless us, to help us. That's why he died on the cross, because we needed an intervention. And so Jesus makes a new way. His grace his, provides righteousness that we cannot produce on our own, so that we can be counted among the righteous. And so how do we come to God? By faith alone. We trust, we believe, we put our faith in Jesus, and by his grace we are saved. This is, the, this is the, the crux of what God wants to reveal to us. And Psalm 1 outlines the problem, but it also is an invitation. Come to me, Jesus said, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Abundant life, Jesus talked about. Living water, bread of life. You see, Jesus is saying, I can give you what you most desire, what you most need. Trust in me. Believe in me. Have faith in me. I will do the work. And so we become righteous in Christ. So what is the righteous person? How is that described? This is what Jesus is doing in us. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. When Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, he said, I am the living water. <laughs> she was looking for other things to satisfy, 
those desires in our heart. And Jesus says, what you ultimately desire is me. Drink of this and you will never thirst again. What's interesting here is the water is the source of life, but it's drinking of that water. Jesus talked about it as vine and branches abide in me, remain in me, and you will have life and you will bear much fruit. Here's the problem. We think many times as Christians that we're fruit pickers. But what does Psalm 1 say? We're not fruit pickers. We're fruit producers. We're trees. <laughs> There's a big difference, a huge difference. I know for myself and I know many people, we're always looking for that thing. We're always looking for fruit to eat. And so we, we are unsatisfied. And so we run around. We try different things. We jump from church to church or Bible study to Bible study. But, but we, we forget that we're called trees, fruit producers. What's interesting about pickers is they're hired hands, right? So they'll come for a season, they'll pick fruit for a while, and then they go away. But think about a tree. How long does a tree last? I don't know about you guys, maybe some of you drew, drove by, but I love driving by Canyon Lake Park. Um, there's some trees at Canyon Lake Park. <laughs> and there's a couple trees there that every time I go by, I think, that tree was there before Rapid City ever came into existence. And you know what? There's trees there that will last, that will be there beyond Rapid City's life. Uh, I've traveled around the world in ancient places where civilizations have come and gone, but there's still trees. What does God say? You will be like a tree. We've sang a song, Build My Life on a Foundation. You see, God is describing the blessed life. This is the righteous life. It's not swayed by the circumstances, the hard things, the difficulties of life. Those trees down at Canyon Lake Park, they've seen drought. They've seen storms. And by the way, South Dakota storms are epic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but those trees are still standing. Their leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You see what God is doing? He's forming us into the kinds of people. We can endure hardship. We can go through sickness. We can go through, through relational difficulties. We can go through hard times in our careers. We can go through family struggles. We can get through cancer. We can go through all that. Why? Because we're like trees and we're drinking of that water. There's a, there's a source of life that we're tapped into that produces something in us. What does the Bible say in Galatians? The fruit of the Spirit is love. <laughs> and so we become the kind of people who can love others, give ourselves to others. We're not just trying to grab and, and try to satisfy ourselves and with whatever we can grasp. No, we're, we're available to give, to share, to love. We have joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We become fruit producers. There's a rootedness. The Bible says we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Don't you want to be an unshaken person? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I want to be that kind of husband. I want to be that kind of father. I want to be that kind of employee, that kind of pastor. Faithfulness, dependence. Where does that come from? It comes from delighting in God. It comes from the source of what he can give, his righteousness, his life in me, his life in you. As we abide in him, as we remain in him, as we drink from him, then we become 
prosperous people. <laughs> and I'm not talking about just money. We become prosperous people. Whatever happens, we know who we are. We're trees and not fruit prickers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff. They're blown away. They're here today, gone tomorrow. They're affected by the circumstances of life. The wind blows and they're blown away. The storm comes and they can't endure. You see the difference? The wicked will not be able to stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. You see, Psalms outline something very clear. There's one God, and he is Lord of all, and he's the only judge. Right now, the rally cry of our time, our generation, is everyone wants justice. It's not fair. We want justice. But the Bible makes a very clear statement. There is no justice outside of God. Why? Because otherwise, we'll define it however we think is best, whatever we think is right. The knowledge of tree of good and evil, right? I can decide. I can determine. Psalms reminds us being a tree means we're rooted in the justice of God. We know there's a judgment day, and that's good news. <laughs> God's going to set this world right. Everything wrong, he's going he's, he's to make a way. We can trust him. We're not moved by the things in the, in the, the newest fad trained justice to jump onto. We know who the judge is, and we can rest in that judgment because of Christ. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is the most profound truth in the whole Bible. In the New Testament, it's called being in Christ. To be known. To be known. God knows he loves. He loves you. He knows you. And the most important thing for all of our lives is to be known by God. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, people will say, hey, I did this, I did that, I did all these amazing things. But Jesus said, I never knew you. The most important thing is to be known by God. The Lord knows the righteous. That's why we need Jesus, <laughs> so we could be known by him and we can know God. And, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So there's a way that we can experience the blessing of God. And uh, Jesus said over and over, come to me. He said, repent, change your thinking. He said, do away with that counsel, that standing, that sitting, all those other things you're doing. Turn away from that, repent from that, and come to me. We're going to sing a song here that is ministered to our family in a, a really special way. My wife sings this to my kids every night. And I think this is the heart of Psalm 1. It's an invitation to run to Jesus, to run to those living waters, to, to build your life, to root your life, that all those desires, all those thirsts in your heart, that you would find that Jesus alone can satisfy them.